not working. Well, thank, thanks for the double introduction. That was nice. Um, so I'm going to read, or I'm going to read in a moment uh, from Numbers chapter 13. So while I do a little introduction and, and, and little um, update on what, what Sari and I are doing, uh, if you if you want to turn there, that will be handy. Numbers 13. I'm going to read from verse 27. Um, so Numbers 13. Yeah. Um, it's nice to see many of you, of course, who I know. Some of you I don't know. And uh, my name is Jim Sim. My wife is Sari Sim. She's in Panama right now. Uh, we're missionaries there. Um, we've been three and a half years now since we left here uh, from the journey to go there. And since before we left, you guys have been supporting us. The journey sends us money every month to feed us, as you can see. You know, I'm being well fed. You know, missionaries have got to eat, and you guys are helping keep me. You know, I've got to watch. I don't end, come back one day a little more rotund than when I left. So it's, uh, thank you very much for your support every month, what you're doing here. So I want to first of all say thank you very much to all of you uh, for that. It means a lot to us. And we pray for you and bless you, you know, all the time um, and ask God's blessing upon your lives and ministry here. We're always doing that. Um, and we ask that you keep doing that for us. A quick update what we're doing. We're still doing a lot of nothing's really much new since last year when I was here, meaning that we are still ministering a lot to expat community, uh, which is expatriates from the United States, Canada, Europe. Uh, there's the Panamanian community, obviously. And then we have a lot of Indian people where we live. We live in the mountains uh, in Panama. So we do a lot of work with them, which is actually really mostly benevolence work that we do with those guys. We're in the process right now of building a house for an indigenous man and his family. He has six kids. Um, this guy's called Florentino. The house really, it's, uh, it's 32 feet by 24 feet, so it's pretty small. But it's going to be the best house in his neighborhood by a long shot. He's going to be super blessed uh, you go to our website to find out more. I can't tell you all the story right now, but this is a remarkable individual uh, that we come alongside to help him. He's the same age as me, 28. And um, <laughs> thought I'd pause for see. Sarah always gets my jokes. I love coming here because you always laugh at me. It makes me f- see nobody else is laughing. Obviously. So anyway, he's my age, 49. I'll be 50 next year. So when I come back next year, yeah, I'll be finally. Like a, a man or something. I don't know what that means when you turn 50. I'll ask. Her, Herman says, old man. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's what it is. So I'll start wearing skinny jeans next year is what I basically is what I'm going to start doing. I'll start going backwards, you know, and look really weird. Anyway, nobody's wearing skinny jeans here, are they? Oh, Les is. <laughs> Francisco's wearing skinny jeans. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, but whatever. <laughs> You start at nine. Okay, great. Anyway, so uh, Florentino, go on our website. There's information back there, thelibertyproject.tv. There's some videos about his story. It's really remarkable. And God has got us, along with some other uh, retired American citizens down there, building a house for this guy. We raise a little bit of money. We build a little bit. We get a bit more money. We build a little more. And uh, it's up in the mountains. We've got to trek through the jungle to get there. Panama is great. I've got to tell you this one anecdote. By the way, I'll be, this will be longer than normal because I've got to preach as well. But I have to tell you this. We're up there building the house. And in Panama, it's, it's still a developing country. 
So it's not really third world, but in places it is. So you run out of water sometimes, your power goes off, you know, real thing, you know, stuff like that. So Erica's like, oh, oh, I couldn't live with that. Exactly. So anyway, but, but so where we go with this guy, it's in the mountains and, and there's no phone signal, there's no electricity, there's no water. And he lives up there in a, and it is a shack. It's a wooden shack about 20 by 15. So we're building him a prefab house with you know, a concrete floor and all this stuff. And it's, he has a dirt floor, which is terrible for disease. People die young because of that. So anyway, so we trek all the way up there into the mountains and do all that. And you never quite know what you're going to come across because it's a developing country, right? People have to really go through hardships to survive. I mean, he sends his kids down the hill to get water for us because we're poor in concrete. And it's a steep hill and they come up with these huge... I mean, I would break my back trying to do it. Huge tubs of water, they lug them up the hill, and they just keep going up and down, stuff like that. Anyway, we were coming out one day, and my Spanish is okay. It's not awesome, but it's okay. So we're driving out, and it's a four-wheel drive, you know, narrow lane, usually for its horses that are on there. And I see this teenager come running towards the truck. And there's like five guys in there with all our tools and stuff, and this guy's puffing and panting, and he's like, and he's talking really fast in Spanish. And I'm like, slow down, man. What's the matter? And he said, there's a dead guy at the end of the road. You're not going to be able to get out. It's at the end of the road. Can you give us a, can you give us a lift? <laughs> can you help us pick? And I'm like, dead guy? And I'm thinking, it's my Spanish. I'm like, he's a dead guy lying at the end of the road. You want me to help you lift him? Yeah, that's exactly right. So well, what happened to him? Oh, no, no, nothing happened to him. The funeral director dropped him off. He's in a coffin. He's just on the road. You won't be able to drive past him. I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. He said, can you give us a ride and like put him in your truck and take him? You know, we've got to go bury him. Well, we've got a three-hour drive to get. Okay, I guess. (laughs) Sure. So we get there. We unload all the stuff from the truck, put the seats down, push this coffin in the back. Get three indigenous ladies in the back as well. And, go, and we end up doing an impromptu. We didn't do the whole funeral, but we, we took him. So it, it's just like, and it, it makes you realize, the point of telling you the story is we're always surprised by what we end up doing to help people. It makes you realize how blessed you are. Sometimes, you know, prosperity gets a bad name. And just a little bit of prosperity, you would avoid all that hassle. And it, it's so hard for some of these people so the little bit sometimes that you give from your extra helps us do things that really mean a lot to people. So if you're ever giving towards us or people like me, missionaries, never think that a $5 or $10, or, it doesn't count or doesn't It matters. They make about, and it's things like that, the resources that you have that you share with us, help us do stuff like that. And it's a way to show in the simplest, uh, silliest moments, you get to show the love of Jesus to people. You get to show them that you care, that God cares. That's the only reason we're doing what we're doing is because God put love in us for other people, right? And you do stuff like that too. So that's some of the stuff. So thank you again for helping us to do those kinds of things and keep praying for us. Like I say, we never know what's going to happen and what's going to take us by surprise. Okay, so I want to preach a little bit. And, um, you know, I'm going to, I had a plan for what I was going to speak about. And then I had a dream last night. I don't dream very much. Do we have anybody in here that dreams a lot? We've got a lot of dreamers. And in a good way, like you actually dream things a lot. Yeah, okay. Did you, Patsy, did you have your hand up there? You dream a lot? 
Don as well. All right, and Carl. See, some of you are like, don't want to admit that you dream. You're like, hey. it's a good thing. Sorry, my wife dreams pretty much every night. She dreams and she remembers all the details, and that's our breakfast conversation is what she dreamt of last night. And sometimes it's God. Sometimes it's just pizza. Sometimes it's both. Anyway, I had a dream last night, and I woke up this morning, and I was very aware that it was a God kind of dream, which is nice for me because it doesn't happen a lot. So I totally switched. I've got, I've got some faith for God wanting to do some cool things among us today uh, because he was telling me things in the middle of the night, obviously, in a dream that would impart something uh, for all of us to get something from God. So get your faith on if you want to call it that. And remember, Jesus said that you only need, how much faith do you need to move a mountain? Mustard seed. Tiny little bit is all you need. How kind the Lord is that if you'll even just bring your little mustard seed, you can have a miracle, right? I saw a t-shirt that said, I have a mustard seed and I'm not afraid to use it, right? So I want you to get your mustard seed ready because God has something for you. Now, I'm going to teach some things this morning. Look at the clock. Okay. That you've probably been hearing from Les for a while. Les and I stay in touch a lot. You may not know that. We Skype pretty much every week since I've been gone and we talk together. We pray about stuff and all that. So I know that he was teaching at the beginning of the year around some of the ideas of the power of your words. You know, you had the negativity fast, the positivity feast, right? I was doing that in Panama as well and we had some people doing it with us. It's been really powerful. Well, that's been a really neat thing for me. Over the last few years, God was showing me the power of words. And that's what I want to talk about today, is the power of what's coming out of your mouth and what you're proclaiming. Now, you've, you've been hearing this for a little while, so I'm probably doubling down on some of what Les has been teaching you. But I want you over and over again. You know, God does do that. You know, there's scriptures even where he said, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every matter be established, meaning... When you hear something two or three times, it's a good time to go, oh, this very well might be God wanting to get my attention. Because sometimes when he speaks once, you go, ah, well, it's just me, or that's too far out there. So just be listening if God is saying, yeah, he's knocking on the door of your heart saying, you've heard this before, but I need to move you along a little bit. I want this to go in a little bit deeper. So I want to talk about the power of proclaiming and It's been effective in my life over the last few years. I've had the Lord share things with me personally that I I journal quite a lot. So I write in my journal things that he shows me. And I'm going to read some of it later. I have this. Can you see this little highlighted notes? I have this in my journal. I printed them off. And there are five different declarations that I have in here that God has spoken to me that I try every day, maybe the whole of it or at least an abbreviated form. I try to say them every day whether I'm having a shave or getting to breakfast. If I'm in a hurry, hopefully I have more time that I can sit down. And I declare them and I start my day off with saying what God says about me. And this is a good reason to memorize scripture, but it's more than that. It's scriptures that God has highlighted to us and something like that, right? That's very specific that the Holy Spirit's pointing out and saying, this is for you specifically. You've read this scripture 10 times or a thousand times, but I want to highlight it and I want you to take it into your heart and say it in your life over and over again. So I have a few of those. I'm going to read some examples in a minute. And that's, that has had tremendous power to bring transformation into my own life and to the sometimes the circumstances around about me 
When I'm saying not what I feel like is a good idea, but I'm saying and repeating what God is saying to me. Not just taking a scripture. Sometimes God will highlight a scripture, right? And say, repeat that, pray that, declare that. Maybe for today, maybe for a month or a year. But it's those things like that. Again, a dream, a prophecy, a word of knowledge we had this morning. Or something just God drops an impression into your heart to highlight on. And you say, I want you to keep, I want you to have more power in your life over what's happening inside you and what's happening around about you by what you're saying. You cannot think your way into victory. You have to speak and say the things that God is saying. And I'm going to talk a bit about that as we go along here this morning. So let me give you the, the story, a backdrop. Caleb and Joshua speaking things and saying things that God had already said and how it affected their lives, okay? And there's three points I want to talk about today is what you see, what you say, and then you have to take a stand. So there's three S's. See, say, and stand. So in this story in Numbers chapter 13... It's about somewhere between 1300 and 1400 BC. At this point, the Israelites have been about two years in the wilderness. Remember, they came out of Egypt. And they're in the wilderness, and they've been there about two years. And it's getting time for them to go into the promised land that God had spoken to them. Now, this is, when I say God had spoken to them, think about this. They have Moses encouraging them with so many things that God has spoken about what God wants to do. I'm going to bring you to this land flowing with milk and honey. Remember that? We've heard that a lot. Moses would say that to them. This was a promise they had. But that promise didn't actually come from Moses. It came 430 years earlier with Abraham. God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'm going to change your name and you, the guy who could have no kids... You will be the father of many nations. And a a people, your people, I'm going, they're going to leave a land and I'm going to, so a land flowing with milk and honey. So fast forward 400 and something years. And here you have these guys getting ready to go in to fulfill a promise that God spoke all the way back. So let's read the story right here. Oh, one last thing. So Moses sends 12 guys to spy out the land. He says, go over there and take a look and see what's going on there before we go and invade. So the 12 guys come back. Two of them are Joshua and Caleb. Those guys are important. So this is where we pick up the story. They've come back. These 12 guys have gone in to look at the promised land, the place God told them to go. And they're now coming back to Moses with a report. So here we are, verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 27. And this is their report. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. They had all this stuff that they took back with them. But the people who live there, here's a key word, but. So they're saying, yes, Lord, we agree with your promise. Or yes, Moses, it does flow with milk and honey. You're right. Look, we even have proof of it. They had carried all this fruit and stuff back with them. And then they say... But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. There, these are giant people. The Amalekites live there, the Hittites, 
the Jebusites, you see, you ever hear yourself in this story? They start listing, yeah, but, you know, with God, yeah, you promised, and we know that you spoke to me, but there's the Amalekites, the Jebusites, there's giants, there's the Hittites, and they live near the sea, and it says this, verse 30, then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. The men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And then they spread among the Israelites a bad report. So this negativity starts spreading. So a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Now they're exaggerating. All the people we saw are of a great size. We saw Nephilim, the descendants of Anak, and we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said, If only we had died in Egypt or in the desert. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? You see the downward spiral in this story? All the ways they can't do it. They've infected the minds of everybody else who are now all repeating the same thing they said. And now they want to get rid of Moses and Aaron. And worst of all, they want to go back to Egypt where they were slaves. This is ridiculous. But we, we all do this, by the way, right? A lot of these stories, um, when I used to first read them or for many years I would read them and think, these people are really stupid. Can you believe they did this? But the uh, Lord spoke to me one time and said, yeah, it's in there point out that you do this. You know, that, that's why it's there. This is you, not them. So anyway, so they're all grumbling. It's infecting. Now they want to go back to Egypt. And it said, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jephna, were among those who had explored the land. They tore their clothes and said to the entire assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord's pleased with us, he will lead us into that land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. So you see the cycle in this story starts with the word but, and it ends with these two guys who didn't buy into it. They remembered what God had guys saw. They didn't deny the facts. They, they said, yeah, it, it, the land is exceedingly good before that. Actually, here's what they said. Um, they explored the land, tore their clothes, set the entire land. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. I was actually earlier in the story. I'm not going to go back to find it. Caleb actually says, he agrees with them. Yeah, there are the Amalekites there. Yeah, the Jebusites, they are there. And But they end up with, but we can go take possession of it. They kept focused on what God had promised them. This is the first point I want to make today about the power of our words. First of all, we have to see what God sees. They saw the same things that the other guys saw. But they saw something beyond that. They saw from a heavenly perspective. They saw what God saw about their future, not just what was happening in their immediate circumstances. There is a lot to take in. 
Think about that. They went and saw all this land and they saw this group of people, that group of people, the fruit, the sea, the river. They mention all that. The land goes all the way to the sea and all the way to the river. There's a lot to take in. In the Psalms, King David says this, I have no concern for things too great for me. In our modern world, we all have our phones and tablets and what have you. But all, you've got to know all the facts and all the details. And I'm not suggesting we ignore everything. Caleb and Joshua didn't. There's a lot to take in, but you don't have to take it all in. What we're supposed to be seeing, what we're supposed to be focused upon, is what has God said and what is God saying about your role in this whole thing. There's a lot of stuff to distract us. And that's what happened with these 10 other guys. They only saw the problems and that's what they took in. Not only just took in seeing, but actually took it into their hearts that started this spiral of unbelief that, as we know the story, led them to wander around for 40 years. And they actually never got the promised land because it started with the word, but because they wanted to see everything and start reporting Hopefully, you're not this type of person, but you probably are. I am. We've all done it, and we've got to watch out for it, where you get caught up in all the facts and all the details of the news and the media and your work and your fun, and you just repeat over and over and over and over all the problems, all the challenges, all the reasons why something can't be done. And that's what happened here with these guys. But Joshua and Caleb saw what God saw, and that's what they stuck with. And that's what they kept in here. So when David says, I have no concern for things too great for me. I'm trying to learn this at the moment. I was telling Les the other day, uh, who insulted me about something. I won't, I won't say what it is because I don't want to get into that subject. But they insulted me. So I decided I was going to have a good argument about it. And then afterwards, I asked the Lord. And the Lord said to me, I never gave you an opinion about that. Why could you just not say anything? That's kind of so me having to practice seeing what is God seeing so that I can do what he wants rather than feeling like I've got to be concerned with everything. I have no concern for things too great for me. And it's hard sometimes, right? You want to be the smartest guy in the room. You want to be the most spiritual guy in the room. You want to have an opinion about everything. And sometimes what that means is you're having opinions about stuff like these guys did and miss the promise of God for your life. Miss what God is seeing and what he wants to keep you focused upon. Um, What happens here, really, the bottom line of this, is that they saw their obstacles as being bigger than God. And that's easy to get into. And we have to watch out for that. When somebody comes to you, like this morning, a word of knowledge, Herman shared with Les, and you hear the words, there's a spirit of renewal, there's an anointing for renewal upon your life. And your mind can... There's this little hinge of whether you're going to connect your faith to that or whether you're going to stay the way you are. And the hinge is the word, but. But but you're only a kid. What would you know? But I've been to the doctor. But I've tried. See, but I've There's always this place when the Lord is speaking to want to see all the facts and all the details and focus on that or connect your faith to what God is seeing and partner with them in it and believe that something can be different. That you can have the promise that God wants for your life. I'm not talking here, by the way, about being ignorant or in denial or being naive. 
Exactly the opposite. I, I have this conversation often with my wife. If it comes to uh, your money or your health, for example, I've got a friend recently. He's, he's getting older. He's got some health problems. He won't go to the doctor because he doesn't want the doctor to tell him what might be wrong. And I'm thinking, well, wouldn't you want to go and know what's wrong so you can know what to do? Wouldn't you look at your bank account so that you know where it really is, even if it's bad? Because then you know what the margin is for your faith. You've got, you got to start with the facts. This is not about denying the facts or pretending they're not there. But facing the reality of the facts means I can state what things really are, so now I can state the margin that I need from A, where God wants to get me to B. That piece in the middle... It's where I get to believe God. But if I just live in denial and pretend things are not, I don't really have anywhere I need to get to. And that's what was happening with Caleb and Joshua. All those other guys, yeah, they, we saw, they saw the same thing as the other ten and stated it. But they also stated, but we can't go in and do it. We can take them. Because God said that we can. They're seeing as God sees. I want to challenge you today. Maybe if all that you see are the problems, if all that you can see... Are your, even your own mistakes or your own sins, if that's all that you can see, maybe it's time for a shift in, in what you're focusing upon. Maybe it's time to allow the Lord to help you to see things from His perspective and listen to what He says about it and then start to repeat that. So, so here I'm on to uh, say. So we, we, we want to see how, what God sees, and then we want to say what it is that God says. Let me give a principle here for a moment, why it's important and why I've been learning over the last few years the power of what I say. And, and I've begun to realize there's a lot of people just repeat stuff. It's not a superstition. It's not just, just because you say something doesn't mean it's going to happen. But if you want things to happen in God's kingdom, saying the right thing is part of of making it happen. Does that make sense? It's not a superstition. It's not a magic bullet or something like that. But it is a principle that has to be a part of our spiritual life. Genesis chapter 1. What did he do? It said, in the beginning, you know, uh, God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the deep, you know, all that stuff. And then it says this, and God did what? Said. God spoke. Let there be light. And what happened? There was light. And there was evening and morning, and there was the first day. And then God did what? And God said, let there be an expanse between, and, and, so, and so on and so forth. So every time it says, God said. That is copied in John, the first chapter of the book of John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Nothing that was made has been made without Him. So God speaks things that there's a power in speaking and saying something. Why am I saying this? God made you and I in His image, which means we can love. We have choice. We have free will. We have all these other things that animals don't have, and the trees don't have, and all that kind of stuff. We're unique and we're different. One of the things we have is life and death and the power of the tongue. You create things by what you say. We don't create worlds. We're not God, right? We don't have that same, you know, all-powerful, omnipotent thing where we create planets and all that. But in our own world, if you like, we create things in our relationships and in our circumstances. By says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. James puts it like this. He says, the tongue is a world of evil, of all the parts of the body. It's like the rudder on a ship. 
a huge ship and will steer the whole course of your life. That's an amazing piece of scripture. The words that you're saying can be steering your life just like it did with these guys. They were repeating just the unbelief that was inside them, not declaring the promises of God. Cursing themselves. Here's another, here's another principle that goes with this. Because I, I've heard this stuff years ago and never really quite took it to heart enough because it, it's, I just didn't quite understand it. Because for me, I would feel like, well, I'm not being sincere. If I'm not talking about the facts, I'm not being honest. That, that's how I would think of it. And the Lord helped me with that and said, okay, am I dishonest when I say, Romans chapter 4, God who raises the dead and gives them life and calls the things that are not as though they are. So God knows the facts. And he calls things that are not as though they are. And he uses the example in Romans of Abraham. When he says to Abraham, actually his name was Abram, who had no kids. And he said, you are now Abraham. Not a father of many. But God sees his future. God sees what is coming and starts to say it. And what unbelief is, what cursing yourself is, basically, is just repeating the opposite of what God says. Imagine if Abraham had said, well, my name's Abraham. I'm not the father of many nations. I've done this. You might have done it too. Start arguing. Yeah, but that's not honest, Lord. I'm not the father of many nations. I don't have any kids. God is seeing from a different perspective. And, one, and it says, actually, Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. I'm sad at how many times I've been in that situation and I have not believed God. Because I've wanted to repeat back to him the facts. The same as these guys did. Well, there's giants there. And what about the Jebusites? But, 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 but. And all the time God is saying, yeah, but I have a future for you. I'm saying something about what's going on. And I want you to repeat that with a hope and an expectancy of your future to be different. No matter how hard or difficult it has been up until now. God is wanting us to repeat what he says, not just keep reporting the facts. Have you ever found yourself praying and telling God all the facts of how hard your life is? Or how difficult it is? Like he doesn't know? Like I, I've done this a lot. Right? Oh Lord, if only David's life. Instead of what the Lord's wanting to do is let, let me speak about the situation and then repeat what I say about it. Instead of keep reporting to me you, the details, why not say the promise I have? Why not repeat the promise I'm speaking to you? Why not receive a word from me, see how I see it, and say that and believe that just like Abraham did? And then he saw it come to pass. I mean, it, it should be that this would be fairly obvious. But it, it hasn't been for me. I'm learning it now and I'm seeing the power of it. And the reason it should be obvious is this. Because the church, the bride of Christ, are the people of great hope in the world. Lee and I remember talking a few years back. I was in a scenario where I, was, I felt hopeless. We had a conversation at his house. And he was helping me with that. It's a horrible place to be in. To feel absolutely hopeless. The church is the place of great hope. What does Hebrews say? These three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. But the church, the bride of Christ, you and I, because we're born again, we have an eternal hope in Jesus. Our future is set and secure and eternal and safe and blessed and full and rich. And yet so often we use the word but 
when we should be hopeful that, hey, what I'm living in right now is not it. There's more to come. God has promises for me. I may not have seen them yet. And my answer is, and I'm not going to keep reporting them. I want to keep declaring and speaking in faith like Abraham. What is God saying about my future and my hope? I want to be saying that. And that is what brings about transformation. Jesus puts it like this. Mark 11, chapter 3. I think I touched on it a moment ago. If any one of you does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and it will be done. Jesus said, if you say, not when you pray about it, I'll do it. He said, if you say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and do not doubt in your heart, but believe that what you say will happen, it will be done for him. Now, let me clarify I'm not talking about walking out here and saying, I will have a Rolls Royce. <laughs> There's people who've taken this to that extreme, right? I will have, and they just, they think God is Santa Claus or something. It doesn't work like I'm talking about repeating what God says to you. Things that you know that God has spoken to you or is speaking to you personally. That you repeat that in faith and you say, that is the truth. That is the reality of my life. And here's where I want to apply it today. This is where my little dream comes in from last night. And what was kind of cool is that you rain, is that what it's called? Um, And there it says, you move the mountains by the words that you say. Now, that was a worship song we're singing to the Lord. But in this scripture, Mark 11, 23, Jesus is saying to you and to me today, you move the mountains By the words that you say. Likewise, that means maybe some mountains and obstacles are in your lives by what you're not saying. Either by what you are saying negatively or what you're not saying at all. You're trying to think your way around the mountain or over the mountain or tunnel through the mountain. When the Lord is saying, I've got something for you to say about the mountains in your life, which this just represents obstacles. It represents very large obstacles. We live at the bottom of a mountain, a volcano actually, where we are in Panama. It's very imposing. It's there all the time. It's beautiful. And every time I think about climbing it, I realize how high it is. And I say, no, I'm a middle-aged man now. (laughs) Almost an old man. Right? Mountains are imposing. I mean, if you're going to... And so many of us are so intimidated by the obstacles and the mountains in our life... Like it's bigger than God. Exactly what these ten guys did. Listed all this stuff so big, bigger than God. And there's an obstacle in your life. I want to help you say something about it. And say something to it. And just move it. Just move it out of the way. And lots of times what I've done in the past. I just pray about the mountain. A lot. Over and over. And repeat the size of the mountain. And how I can't scale the mountain. And would you maybe give me a strategy to get around it. When the Lord is saying to us, move it, speak to it, make a declaration in faith, a promise that I'm saying to you about it, and get it out of your life. Move it out of the way. And that was my dream last night. I was dreaming, I saw three different, and this might be for any one of you, I don't know. It might just be general for the content of the message, you decide. But I saw three mountains. That could be somebody here that has three particular obstacles. I saw three mountains all about the same size. 
And I saw myself and I was with somebody else sort of weaving in and out them, running around them, scurrying. And then when I woke up, I was asking, what does that mean? And I heard the Lord saying to me, I don't want you scurrying around the mountains and talking about them and trying to like navigate them. I want you to help people move them, tear them down, get them out of the way. And it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. Believe what I say about it and repeat it. And it will be done. And you only need how much faith? Mustard seed. There it is. Boom. Facebook. Instagram. The the mustard seed, in seriousness, your mustard seed can tear down any mountain because of who's behind the mustard seed. Not you. Jesus. The power of the name of Jesus. The glory of God. The lion and the lamb we spoke about this morning, we sang about this morning. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? No one. No one. And we know that, but sometimes we haven't realized, oh wait, instead of me asking him to do Lord Almighty stuff, he's actually saying to me, I'm the Lord Almighty and I'll do it when you speak to it. Say it. Use your authority. Use the power of the name of Jesus. Speak directly to that obstacle that's in your life and command it to come down and get into the sea. Sometimes we're just, we don't think that we're loved enough that we can do that. Think of these scriptures. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I am more than a conqueror through Christ who loved me. What does that mean? If it doesn't mean get some stuff done. Huh? It can't just be nice poetry or fancy prose that makes me feel good to hang on until Jesus comes back. It's like, go conquer some stuff. It's not the kingdom of the world. The principles operate differently. I mean, how easy is it? All you got to do is speak. All you got to do is speak. I mean, there's another subject to get into. Hebrews talking about entering the rest of Christ, entering the Sabbath rest. It's not about Sunday or Saturday. It's about a place of faith like what Abraham was at where you take the word of the Lord and you rest. You don't work. And part of our resting is you just say it. Say what God says and boom, things get done. So let me finish up here with my my final point. I'm not concluding yet, but I have one more point then I'm going to conclude. But But let me read a couple of scriptures from my journal before I move on. When I said about being a more than a conqueror, think about this. You've got an obstacle in your life, a real challenge, something really difficult. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I have some scriptures here. And I, I take out Israel whenever I see it in, in a lot of the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah. I take out the name Israel and I put my name in it, which is James. Jim is my nickname. My mother doesn't call me that. So I put James in there. God calls me the same thing my mom calls me. So, I put, so put your name in there. I want you to think about this, and maybe this is how you can end when we pray today. Put your name in there. But here's a scripture for you. If you're thinking about, really, can I move? God said to me, you're my servant, James. Put your name there. In whom I will display my splendor. For I am honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. This is what the Lord says. The Redeemer and Holy One of James Kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see you and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful. The Holy One of James who has chosen you. I will not forget you. This is what the Lord says. 
I will contend with those who contend with you. Can you see like a can you see a father there, a protective father or a big brother, Jesus? Any obstacle or any mountain that you have in your life today, this is God's promise to you. He's saying, I will contend with those who contend with you. Meaning, I'm going to war for you today. I'm going to battle for you today. The mountains that are in your way today, if you'll partner with me in it, I'm going to rip them down. Because I want you to be free. I want you to be healed. I want you to be prosperous. I want you to be saved. I want you to have joy. I want you to have peace. I want you to have wholeness. I want you to have better relationships. I want you to have more money. I want you to influence people around you. I want all these things for you. And I will contend with everything that's contending against you today. But what I need you to do is is speak what I'm promising to you. Partner with me in it. Say what I'm saying. See what I'm seeing. He says, I'll contend with those who contend with you. Or the mighty one of Joe. The mighty one of Herman, the mighty one of Barbara, the mighty one of Lee, the mighty one of David, the mighty one of Erica, the mighty one of Carolyn. Think about that. I will contend with those who contend with you because I am the mighty one of Sarah. Boom. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? I'm the mighty one of Steve God is so proud. It says it right there. I'm honored in the eyes of the Lord. It doesn't make you strut around and act like you're better than everyone. We're not better than everybody else, but it does make you have confidence, doesn't it? When it says, the mighty one of Jim, the mighty one of Joe, I, the Lord, will contend with those who contend with you. So I'm getting a little fired up now, you can tell, so that'll bring me to the last point. Stand. So you've got to see, you've got to say, and then you have to stand. Ephesians, where it talks that great passage, Ephesians 6, about spiritual warfare. This is, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, right? But we wrestle against rulers, authorities. There are demons in those mountains. There are, Stevie mentioned, I heard him saying it. Oh, that anointed worship this morning, by the way. We'll talk about that later. But he was in the middle of the worship. Did you hear Stevie saying, he started declaring, as we were worshiping, he started declaring about the power over evil spirits. We have power, something like that. He said, we have power that are coming against you. And many times connected to those mountains and obstacles that you have in your life. That's why you can't think your way around them. You have to speak to them. You've got to speak to what's represented in those obstacles and the evil spirits that are behind them. And Paul says it there in Ephesians. He goes on and lists the armor of God. And then he says, and having done everything, once you've done everything, stand. And then he, said, he says it right next. So it's like, stand, period. Stand, therefore, in the full armor of God. And a lot of what standing is, is I believe, as I see biblically, is to keep repeating what God says. It's what Caleb and Joshua did. It's not that hard. They didn't, they didn't keep repeating what they saw in a promised land. They agreed with it one time. Yeah, all that stuff's there. But we can go take possession of it. How do they know that? Because God said it 430 years ago to Abraham, our father. Isaac carried it from Abraham. Jacob carried it from him. Joseph carried it from him. You know, and so on we go. And here we are at Moses and we're saying, it is a land flowing with milk and honey. And God says we can take it. We're going to take it. And they had to wait another 40 years, by the way. So with these guys, you see their fruit because they had to wait 40 years. They weren't supposed to. 40 years later, all the other guys are dead, including Moses. Caleb and Joshua are the only two left. And what happens? God says to Joshua, now then, let's go ahead and spend his whole life with, oh, golly, it's all been ruined because of what those other people did. 
We're wandering around in the wilderness now. It's all sandy out here. So much for this milk and honey. And you know what? I was back there. I was a man of faith back there. And look what happened to me. It didn't pay off, did it? I mean, all those other guys ruined it for me. And now I'm walking about here, and Moses is having to take water out of the rock, and every day we settle down, we get the tents pitched, we're here for six days, and Moses decides we're moving. Off we go, I hate this, driving around, don't know where we're going. Wait a minute, we were here last year, we've gone full circle, we're back, we're going in circles. He could do all that stuff. We've all done it. I'm going in circles. Forty years. And then it comes to Moses is dead, and God says to Joshua, now then, in other words, You've kept the faith. You've kept saying and kept believing what I spoke to you. Calling the things that are not as though they were. And here's about to enter into it. So there's promises. There's victories. There's mountains in your life today that God wants to pull down. But you've got to do those things. You've got to want to see what God sees. You've got to want to say and actually say what God says. And then stand, which means it might be today. It might take a week. It might take a month. It might take a year. But you're going to stand and say what God says about it in hope and keep rejoicing and keep moving towards him and towards your victory. However, I believe that the Lord, because of that dream I had last night, I believe the Lord was saying that we're going to pray together today. And that's my part in helping is just to believe with you. I'll take my mustard seed and you can have yours. We'll put it in the mustard seed gun (laughs) and we'll fire together. And bring down some mountains that are in your life. Here's a concluding thought before we pray. Just if it's not reinforced enough yet, which I hope it is. The power of your words. The power of saying it out loud. Is a mustard seed expression of faith. Sometimes you need to go do stuff as well. We're just talking about the speaking part today. Revelations 12, 11, when everything is being wrapped up, Jesus is wrapping everything up. And this is what he says, talking about Satan, who's called the accuser of the brothers, who is the one who says, ah, you can't do it. No, it's been there a long time. No, you've been like this a long time. No, nobody else is going to let you do that. That's not going to work. That's what the accuser of the brothers does. It's just the accuser of the brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him. There's two things they used. By the blood of the lamb. That's our new covenant position. We're in. And by the word of their testimony. By using your mouth. And saying, I am a new covenant. Not just a new covenant believer. Because of the new covenant, I'm a son of God. Or I'm a daughter of God. I am more than a conqueror. I do have a mustard seed of faith. I do have authority to tear down mountains. I also have authority to cast out evil spirits. I also have authority to heal the sick. I also have authority to preach the gospel. I also have authority to cleanse the lepers. That's the word of your testimony. And I also have authority that when enemy comes against me, actually, wait, I'm sitting in heavenly places with Jesus so the devil's under my feet. What am I getting in this think about? Just deal with it. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And so there's great hope for you today that if there is a mountain in your life, Jesus will tear it down when you'll say what he wants to say about it. Let's, let's pray together.